Hello and welcome to RICU. I'm Daniel Fuchs. I'm Stephen Gans. And I'm Gadalia May. Welcome to the RICU, where we keep you up to date on all the latest in clinical research. We know how busy you all are as med students and residents, it's sometimes hard to keep up with all the latest literature. So we're here to review recent research articles from top-tier medical journals to keep you up to date. The first article this week is from the JAMA published on November 17, 2021. The author wants to know if strong opioid medication is truly necessary for optimal pain control post-discharge in patients who have undergone orthopedic surgical treatment. This is a very interesting topic because patients being discharged after surgically managed fractures are commonly prescribed strong opioid medications. However, there is limited evidence to support this. In this article, oxycodone hydrochloride, 10 milligrams taken four times a day, was considered the strong opioid and was compared to a cinnaminophen codeine combination of 1,000 milligrams and 16 milligrams, respectively, taken four times a day and was considered the mild opioid. On topic, sort of, I actually had a root canal the other year, and after the procedure, I asked the endodontist for some meds to help with the pain that I knew I would have when the local anesthetic would wear off, and he told me to just take Advil. Anyhow, how did they do this study, Gedalia? So this study was a randomized clinical trial of 120 patients with one or more acute orthopedic fractures requiring surgical fixation. Roughly half of the patients were given strong opioid medication and half were given mild opioid medication. From post-op day one through day seven, participants of both groups were asked to rate their mean pain over the previous 24 hours on a scale from zero to 10. So what were the results from the study? The study found that the mean of daily pain scores from day one to seven post-discharge was 4.04 in the strong opioid group and 4.54 in the mild opioid group. The difference was neither statistically or nor clinically significant despite a six-fold higher dose of opioids taken by the strong opioid group. Stephen, why is this important? Like, who cares? Let them have the opioids. It has been documented that a greater amount of initial opioid exposure, whether increased total dose or duration, is associated with increased risk of long-term use, misuse, and overdose. Good clinical judgment should be used to optimize post-operative pain while minimizing the potential adverse events of strong opioid medications. On to the next. This next article was a bit surprising to me when I first read it. Gadalia, did you know that serum folate and B12 levels may be associated with cardiovascular mortality in diabetics? I did not know that. What's the connection? So in this new study in the January 31st edition of JAMA, there was an article where they did a cohort study with data from over 7,000 participants with type 2 diabetes. Regarding B12, they found that high and low levels of B12 were associated with higher risk of cardiovascular mortality. Regarding folate, which is also known as vitamin B9, lower levels were associated with increased mortality from cardiovascular disease. What specific amounts of these vitamins seem to show the greatest outcome in these diabetic patients, Daniel? The study showed that folate levels less than about seven nanograms had a higher hazard ratio and therefore increased cardiovascular mortality. And regarding B12, about 400 pictograms was the sweet spot in the middle with a lower cardiovascular mortality. So if you're diabetic, make sure to check your folate and B12 levels. In the final article we will be discussing today, authors wanted to know if earlier epinephrine administration leads to increased chance of survival for out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. 
Before we dive into the details, let's remind ourselves how epinephrine is beneficial to patients in cardiac arrest. Daniel, would you mind reminding us why epinephrine is administered to patients in cardiac arrest? Sure. Epinephrine is an alpha adrenergic receptor agonist, which increases vascular tone and decreases blood flow to the organs that are not immediately needed for survival and allows increased myocardial and cerebral blood flow during CPR. So we're moving that blood to where it's needed most. Exactly. The authors wanted to know if there's a statistical benefit in early administration of epinephrine. So how did they do the study, Stephen? Interesting question. In this cohort study, the authors used time-dependent propensity scoring and risk-set matching analysis for over 40,000 patients across 10 sites in North America. They compared similar patients in two different groups, initial shockable rhythm and non-shockable rhythm based on the time epinephrine was administered by ALS after their arrival on scene. Tell us what they found, Stephen. The authors found that for all rhythms, early epinephrine administration was associated with greater survival rate. On to the question to ponder. This week's question to ponder does actually have an answer. The question is, why don't we shock asystole? Comment on Instagram if you want to answer the question. And that's all we have for you today. Thank you to all of our listeners. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at therickyouteam at gmail.com. Follow us on Spotify, Instagram, Facebook at the Rick U team. As always, thanks for listening.